Chapter Eleven of the Golden Silence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Golden Silence by Alice Muriel and Charles Norris Williamson. Chapter Eleven stephen and neville kiard were in the cypress avenue when victoria ray drove up in a ramshackled cab guided by an arab driver who squinted hideously she wore a white frock which might have cost a sovereign and had probably been made at home her wide-brimmed hat was of cheap straw wound with a scarf of thin white muslin but her eyes looked out like blue stars from under its dove-colored shadow and a lily was tucked into her belt to both young men she seemed very beautiful and radiant as the spring morning you aren't superstitious engaging a man with a squint said neville of course not she laughed as if harm could come to me because the poor man's so homely I engaged him because he was the worst-looking, and nobody else seemed to want him. They escorted her indoors to Lady MacGregor, and Stephen wondered if she would be afraid of the elderly fairy with the face of a child and the manner of an autocrat. But she was not in the least shy, and indeed Stephen could hardly picture the girl as being self-conscious in any circumstances. Lady MacGregor took her in with one look white hat red hair blue eyes lilyette belt simple frock and all and somewhat to stephen's surprise because she was to him a new type of old lady decided to be charmed with miss ray victoria's naive admiration of the house and gardens delighted her host and hostess she could not be too much astonished at its wonders to please them and both being thoroughbred they liked her the better for saying frankly that she was unused to beautiful houses you can't think what this is like after school in potterston and cheap boarding-houses in new york and london she said laughing when the others laughed stephen was longing to see her in the lily garden which to his mind might have been made for her and after luncheon he asked lady macgregor if he and neville might show it to miss ray the garden lay to the east and as it was shadowed by the house in the afternoon it would not be too hot perhaps you won't mind taking her yourself said the elderly fairy just for a few wee minutes i want neville he is to tell me about accepting or refusing some invitations i'll send him to you soon stephen was ashamed of the gladness with which he could not help hearing this proposal he had nothing to say to the girl which he might not say before neville or even before lady macgregor yet he had been feeling cheated because he could not be alone with victoria as on the boat gather miss ray as many lilies as she can carry away were neville's parting instructions and it was exactly what stephen had wished for he wanted to give her something beautiful and appropriate something he could give with his own hands 
and he longed to see her holding masses of white lilies to her breast as she walked all white in the white lily garden now too he could tell her what mademoiselle soubise had said about the cabile girl mooney he was sure neville wouldn't grudge his having that pleasure all to himself anyway he could not resist the temptation to snatch it he began as soon as they were alone together in the garden by asking her what she had done whether she had made progress and it seemed that she retired from his questions with a vague suggestion of reserve she had not shown on the ship it was not that she answered unwillingly but he could not define the difference in her manner although he felt that a difference existed it was as if somebody might have been scolding her for lack of reserve yet when he inquired if she had met anyone she knew or made acquaintances she said no to the first question and named only mademoiselle soubise in reply to the second that was stephen's opportunity and he began to tell of his call at the curiosity shop he expected victoria to cry out with excitement when he came to mooney's description of the beautiful lady with henna-coloured gold-powdered hair but though she flushed and her breath came and went quickly as he talked somehow the girl did not appear to be enraptured with a new hope as he had expected my friend kiard proposes that he and i should motor to clemson which it seems is near the moroccan border and interview mooney he said we may be able to make sure when we question her that it was your sister she served and perhaps we can pick up some clue through what she lets drop as to where ben halim took his wife when he left algiers though of course there are lots of other ways to find out if this should prove a false clue you are both more than good victoria answered but i mustn't let you go so far for me perhaps as you say i shall be able to find out in other ways from someone here in algiers it does sound as if it might be my sister the maid spoke of to mademoiselle soubise how i should love to hear mooney talk but you must wait and see what happens before you think of going on a journey for my sake if only there were some woman to take you you might go with us said stephen more eagerly than he was aware and thinking wild thoughts about lady macgregor as a chaperone or perhaps mademoiselle soubise if only she could be persuaded to leave her beloved shop and wouldn't draw those black brows of hers together as though tabooing a forbidden idea let's wait and see victoria repeated and this patience in the face of such hope struck stephen as being strange in her unlike his conception of the brave impulsive nature ready for any adventure if only there were a faint flicker of light at the end then as if she did not wish to talk longer of a possible visit to clemson victoria said i've something to show you a picture of my sister the white dress was made without a collar and was wrapped across her breast like a fichu which left the slender white stem of her throat uncovered now she drew out from under the muslin folds a thin gold chain 
from which dangled a flat open-faced locket when she had unfastened the clasp she handed the trinket to stephen sadie had the photograph made specially for me just before she was married the girl explained and i painted it myself i couldn't trust anyone else because no one knew her coloring of course she was a hundred times more beautiful than this but it gives you some idea of her as she looked when i saw her last the face in the photograph was small not much larger than stephen's thumbnail but every feature was distinct not unlike victoria's though more pronounced and the nose seemed almost in profile was perfect in its delicate straightness the lips were fuller than victoria's and red as coral the eyes were brown with a suggestion of coquetry absent in the younger girls and the hair parted in the middle and worn in a loose wavy coil appeared to be of a darker red less golden more auburn that's exactly sadie's coloring repeated victoria her lips were the reddest i ever saw and i used to say diamonds had got caught behind her eyes do you wonder i worship her that i just couldn't let her go out of my life forever no i don't wonder she's very lovely stephen agreed the coquetry in the eyes was pathetic to him knowing the beautiful sadie's history she was eighteen then she's twenty-eight now sadie's twenty-eight i can hardly realize it but i'm sure she hasn't changed unless to grow prettier i used always to think she would victoria took back the portrait and gazed at it stephen was sorry for the child he thought it more than likely that sadie had changed for the worst physically and spiritually even mentally if mademoiselle zobey's was right in her surmises he was glad she had not said to victoria what she had said to him about sadie having to live the life of other harem women i bought a string of amber beads at that curiosity shop yesterday the girl went on because there's a light in them like what used to be in sadie's eyes every night when i said my prayers and i'm ready to go to sleep i see her in that golden silence i told you about looking towards the west that is towards me too you know with the sun setting and streaming right into her eyes making that jeweled kind of light gleam in them which comes and goes in those amber beads when i find her i shall hold up the beads to her eyes in the sunlight and compare them what is the golden silence like asked stephen do you see more clearly now that at last you've come to africa i couldn't see more clearly than i did before the girl answered slowly looking away from him through the green lace of the trees that veil the distance yet it's just as mysterious as ever i can't guess yet what it can be unless it's in the desert i just see sadie standing on a large flat expanse which looks white and she's dressed in white all around her is a quivering golden haze wave after wave of it endless as the sea when you're on a ship and there's silence not one sound except the beating which must be my own heart or the blood that sings in my ears when i listen for a long time 
the kind of singing you hear in a shell that's all and the level sun shining in her eyes and on her hair it's a picture said stephen whatever say was there would always be a picture victoria said with the unselfish unashamed pride she had in her sister how i hope sadie knows i'm near her she went on half to herself she'd know that i'd come to her as soon as i could and she may have heard things about me that would tell her i was trying to make money enough for the journey and everything if i hadn't hoped she might see the magazines and papers i could never have let my photograph be published i should have hated that if it hadn't been for the thought of the portraits coming to her eyes with my name under them victoria ray who is dancing in such and such a place she would know why i was doing it dancing nearer and nearer to her you darling stephen would have liked to say but only as he might have spoken caressingly to a lovely child whose sweet soul had won him she seemed younger than ever to-day in the big drooping hat with the light behind her weaving a gold halo round her hair and the slim white figure as she talked of sadie in the golden silence when she looked up at him he thought that she was like a girl saint painted on a background of gold he felt very tender over her very much older than she and it did not occur to him that he might fall in love with this young creature who had no thought for anything in life except the finding of her sister a tiny streak of linen pollen had made a little yellow stain on the white satin of her cheek and under her blue eyes were a few faint freckles golden as the lily pollen he had seen them come yesterday on the ship in a bright glare of sunlight and they were not quite gone yet he had a foolish wish to touch them with his finger to see if they would rub off and to brush away the lily pollen though it made her skin look pure as pearl you are an inspiration was all he said i but how do you mean she asked he hardly knew that he had spoken aloud yet challenged he tried to explain inspiration to new life and faith in things he answered almost at random but hearing the words pronounced by his own voice made him realize that they were true this child of whose existence he had not known a week ago could give him perhaps was already giving him new faith and new interests he felt thankful for her somehow though she did not belong to him and never would unless a gleam of sunshine can belong to one on whom it shines and he would always associate her with a golden sunshine and the magic charm of algeria i told you i'd given you half my star she said laughing and blushing a little which star is it he wanted to know when i don't see you any more i can look up and hitch my thought wagon to mars or venus oh it's even grander than any planet you can see with your real eyes but you can look at the evening star if you like it's so thrilling in the sunset sky i sometimes call it my star all right said stephen with his elder brother air and when i look i'll think of you you can think of me as being with sadie at last 
you have the strongest presentiment that you'll find her without difficulty when i say presentiment i mean creating a thing i want making a picture of it happening so it has to happen by and by as god made pictures of this world and all the worlds and they came true by jove i wish i could go to school to you stephen said this laughing but he meant every word she had just given him two new ideas he wondered if he could do anything with them yet no his life was cut out on a certain plan it must now follow that plan if you should have any trouble not that you will but just if you know he went on and if i could help you i want you to remember this wherever you are and whatever the trouble may be there's nothing i wouldn't do for you nothing there's no distance i wouldn't travel why you're the kindest man i ever met victoria exclaimed gratefully and i think you must be one of the best good heavens what a character to live up to laughed stephen nevertheless he suddenly lost his sense of exultation and felt sad and tired thinking of life with margot and how difficult it would be not to degenerate in her society yes it's a good character and i'll promise to let you know if i'm in any trouble and need help if i can't write i'll call as i said yesterday good i shall hear you over the wireless telephone they both laughed and neville keard coming out of the house was pleased that stephen should be happy it had occurred to him while helping his aunt with the invitations that something of interest to miss ray might be learned at the governor's house he knew the governor more or less in a social way now he asked victoria if she would like him to make inquiries about ben halim's past as a spahi i've already been to the governor replied victoria i got a letter to him from the american consul and had a little audience with him is that what i ought to call it this morning he was kind but could tell me nothing i didn't know anyway he would tell nothing more he wasn't in algiers when sadie came it was in the day of his predecessor neville admired her promptness and energy and said so he shared stephen's chivalrous wish to do something for the girl so alone so courageous working against difficulties she had not begun to understand he was sorry that he had no hand in helping victoria to see the most important frenchman in algiers a man of generous sympathy for arabs but as he had been forestalled he hastened to think of something else which he might do he knew the house ben halim had owned in algiers the place which must have been her sister's home the people who lived there now were acquaintances of his would she like to see janine el hajj the suggestion pleased her so much that stephen found himself envying neville her gratitude and it was arranged that mrs jewett should be asked to appoint an hour for a visit next day End of chapter eleven